Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that's 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I am Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We would love for you to follow us on social media. We are at No Nonsense Pod on both Twitter and Facebook. We would also love for you to subscribe or follow the show on whatever platform you're using to listen, but specifically if you're listening on iTunes, we would love for you to leave us a rating and review. Additional bit of information, too, leading into today's episode. We have a giveaway going on on our Twitter page, again, at NoNonsensePod. You can follow us and and retweet a tweet that's on our page for a chance to win a gift card to NFLShop.com, which is... As I'm sure you know, that the biggest selection of NFL merchandise. So whether you're a Titans fan and you want to buy some some Titans gear, or you're a fan of another team and, and want to use it on that, that is totally fine. But go to the Twitter page, enter that contest. We would really appreciate that. You might win yourself a $25 gift card. We've got a great show for you today. In the wake of the Andrew Luck retirement, we are going to talk about kind of like you know where we were when that happened and what our initial reactions were. And then we'll get into more Titans-oriented stuff as we discuss who has a chance to make the team's final 53-man roster, which we will learn about on Saturday afternoon. Let's start with Luck. Guys, where were you two? What were you doing? And what was your initial reaction to the Luck retirement? So it was kind of bad timing because my alma mater, the University of Miami, was playing against UF. So it was a pretty big game. And, like, I'm tweeting all this stuff about the game, and then in the middle is like, oh, my God, what nuclear bomb from Schefter. And I must have checked the account ten times at least. And even even after checking, seeing the verified and everything, I was still like, he got he got hacked, right? Like this isn't this can't be real. But then he then he put up a couple follow up tweets. I still thought he got hacked, but uh, then you know started to started to sink in a little bit, and it was just so shocking. It it, it made it a little tough to watch the end of the to the the UM UF game, although that was tough to watch as it as it was, and uh, it's just very shocking. Uh, I'm happy because the times don't have to play him ever again. It, it was just. It just soul crushing every time, every time he would drive down the field on us like like it was nothing. But I mean, I'm happy for him that that he had the the strength and the bravery to actually make this decision because, and I really hope that it allows other 
NFL players to make this type of decision and, and not worry about what what the media or what what other people around them are, are going to think because. Uh, first and foremost, the most important thing is your own body and your own health. And we've seen what the what this game can do to to people. And I'm glad he had the ability to make this decision for himself. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because um, I was actually like on Twitter looking stuff up as I got a text from my sister in law, and you know, unlikely sources, I guess. But like, she asked me what happened with Andrew Luck. And I was like, Oh, great. He's going to start week one. I was like, they just they just came out and said it. And so I looked up the tweets and I saw Adam Schefter's and I was like, that's weird. I was like, he got hacked for sure. Like you said, I was like, for sure. Like he got hacked. This is going to be some big troll. I checked to make sure it wasn't that sports by Barry guy or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and I looked like two or three times, like you said, and I'm like, I'm so I'm going through the same process. And I scroll through Twitter and I see Matias tweet yell tweeting about the game. And I was I tweeted at him and I was like, you're yelling about the wrong thing. And then, well, you know, it, we all picked up. But it's maybe the first time in I mean, I guess the Twitter age where somebody has actually had the story so far ahead of every other media outlet. That's why I felt like he got hacked is because there was no Ian Rappaport like follow up tweet. Like there was there was nobody else reporting it. It was just Schefter. And, you know, the only other time we've seen that happen is when Rappaport was wrong about Odell Beckham. So it was just this kind of surreal moment where everybody was looking around trying to figure out what was going on. You know, if, if it was a hack, if it was, you know, this, that, or other. it was it was a really weird moment. I mean, I don't know if we're going to ever do like if we're going to do our parting thoughts or whatever. But I mean, at the end of the day. I, I'm the people I'm most upset with are the Colts fans because I mean, how disrespectful can you possibly be? You know, a guy basically puts his long-term health on the line and just because you give him money to do that doesn't mean that you have any right to say, you know, whether, whether or not it's the right time for him to retire. He, you know, he's done his service, you know, just be happy for the years you had him. But I, I mean, I guess when you have a clear hall of famer and Peyton Manning and he's followed up by like, one of the better quarterbacks of his generation, you, you can't help but be disappointed. It's kind of the old rule of you always want to be the guy that follows the guy that follows the guy and not, you know, any other link in that chain. But I mean, I, I never thought at the end of the weekend, I would be defending Andrew Luck, but you know, here we are. Yeah. Um, you know, I found out about it. I, I was sitting at, at my apartment and actually, Matthias, when I saw your message that, that you sent to our group, and, and it, it had a uh, an alert, basically. I won't go into what exactly you uh, you sent to us, but it alerted me <laughs> to the fact that something had just happened. And, and I thought, as I told you guys, that the Titans had traded for Jadevian Clowney. I don't know why my mind went there. I had just been seeing, you know, all the Clowney stuff on Twitter and the stuff with him, you know, not signing his franchise tender. And then I looked, and just like Will, you, Will, and I'm admittedly a big fan of, of Barry McCockiner, if that's how you pronounce his name, uh, I thought it was a Absolutely. Sports Talk Barry tweet when I first saw it, that like Andrew Luck is retiring. And I looked several times to see that blue check mark. But even then, like until really like yesterday or the day before, I was almost in denial. Like It didn't feel real. It was so shocking. And it really started to feel real when 
Uh, there's a Colts beat writer who put a picture on Twitter of Luck's empty locker and the nameplate being gone from it. And then when I saw that, it just kind of like set in like, oh my gosh, Andrew Luck retired. It's just shocking. It came out of nowhere. And the interesting, I think the most interesting thing about this, and I'm going to get more into the uh, the booing during our Stop the Nonsense segment. I'm actually going to defend the Colts fans that were booing Andrew Luck. Um but the most crazy part about all of this, right, is that it broke in the middle of a game. Because it was like 30 minutes after the, the news broke when I realized, like, oh my goodness, they're playing right now. And I can only imagine what the reaction was like, you know, in the press box at the, uh, at the game. And I was telling someone this the other day, like, I, I just, I can't imagine, like, it's the equivalent of, you know, we're at a Titans game, and we're covering the Titans game last week against the Steelers in the preseason, and then all of a sudden Taylor Lewan retires. Like, that would be the equivalent for the Titans of this story. Just random and out of nowhere, the best player on the team retires. And it's just so, so weird. And the next discussion I want us to have is this. How do we feel about Jacoby Brissett, <clears throat> honestly? Because he is someone that has started in the NFL before. He started for the Colts for an entire year when Luck missed the 2017 season. Uh, I've seen him in person. He he played in Nashville on Monday Night Football. Will, I think you were probably at that game. Uh, What do we think about Brissett? I think he's pretty good, honestly. I I would say he's probably one of the better backups in the league, along with Tannehill and maybe maybe Nick Mullins, who had a pretty good year with, with San Francisco last year. And... I, I was just honestly impressed uh, when, when he played for Luck in 2017, and, and he did so in a really poor environment. Uh, the Colts were really bad. They had probably probably the worst offensive line in the entire league. He got sacked an absurd amount of times. I, yeah, I'm looking at it here. He got sacked 52 times, which is which is unheard of. That that actually led the league. So I, this season, I, I'm expecting. The thing is, like, he hasn't played. He hasn't played in in, in over a year. So. I, I'm interested to see how much rust he really has because he's not a guy that that has started a lot a lot of games aside from that uh, for, from that year in 2017. But he's definitely in a better environment. They have more skilled position players. Marlon Mack is good. T.Y. Hilton's good. They have two really good tight ends, and their offensive line was one of the best in the league last year. Uh, although a lot of a lot of their their numbers, efficiency numbers were were due to the offense uh, that Frank Reich. Uh, uh, you know, crafted up because they really got the ball out quickly, and, and that was something that that's been a knock on Brissett. Even even going back to college, he he really holds the ball a lot. Uh, I'm interested to see if he changes his ways a little bit in this new system, and if he does, I, I still think the Colts' offense is going to be pretty good. Uh, obviously, not as good as it, as it would be with Luck, but I think they'd still be maybe like a top twenty offense. I'm not expecting them to bottom bottom out with uh, Brissett at the helm. Uh, so I guess I'm just going to be the negative one. Uh, I mean, Brissett's fine. I mean, yeah, he's, he's fine, but like, he's, he's not going to be good. Like, I mean, he's a backup quarterback. He was third string in new England and, you know, say whatever you want about who's in front of him or whatever. But I mean, better than Jimmy G. Yeah. I mean, apparently not <laughs> for the people who watched him long enough, like, I mean, Brissett's fine. Like the the Colts made up all those rumors about people wanting to trade second round picks for him and all that kind of stuff because that's what front offices do. They lie. I mean, they try to kind of create value for people, and 
obviously nobody bit, which is why he's still on, he was still on the roster when all this happened. But I mean, he's fine. He played a whole season, had 13 touchdowns and seven interceptions, and had, you know was bad enough to give the team what a top three pick, something like that. That they traded at top, I guess the second overall pick is that what it was to trade down with uh, the Jets last year. So, I mean, he he's going to be bad. Like it, it's, it's they're still going to lo- they're still going to lose double digit games, but they probably won't be bad enough to, you know, have a top five pick, which is perfect. I mean, that's that's right where you know Tennessee fans would like them. You want them outside of the top five. You know, th- there can only be so many great offensive guards to draft eventually they're going to have to reach for somebody or try to trade up or trade down or make a pick. And I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is obviously a great development for the Titans. It's not like they had somebody like Patrick Mahomes back there or somebody else who really scares you. We've seen what Brissett is. The film's out on him. We know what the offense looks like and we know what he is. So, you know, it's it's good. It's bad for the Colts because they've got no element of surprise, and because, he, like you said, he does hold the ball too long. I looked it up. Patrick Thorman uh, tweeted this out this morning. It says Brissett took 2.97 seconds to attempt in 2017, which was 35th in the league. So that's you know hmm. basically as bad as any quarterback who played. So I mean, if you ask me what he is, he's probably somewhere between Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Tannehill, like in terms of the backup quarterback scale we've seen, but he's not better than either one. of them. I mean, he's not better than Tannehill just off of what we've seen from 16 games of starts that he's had. So I don't know, t- take that for what you want. I and mean, they've got a good team around him. They've got some guys, but I mean, they're not substantially better offensively than they were in 2016 when, they bottomed out. So well, and I think the difference isn't so much the weapons because those are basically the same. You've got Jack Doyle, you've got T.Y. Hilton, uh, Eric Ebron is someone that is new that has come in and emerged as a, a pretty reliable and explosive guy for that team. But one thing that will help him is the improvements on the offensive line. Obviously, Quentin Nelson, the, the biggest name of those improvements. Uh, but Lux was able to stay upright most of last season because of what Chris Ballard was able to accomplish in terms of building that offensive line. But, Will, Will, I think you nailed the Jacoby Brissett problem on him holding the ball too long. Because if you remember, back in November of 2017, the last time that the Titans beat the Colts, uh, it was in Indianapolis, and the Colts or the Titans' defense got to Brissett eight times in that game. They, they sacked him eight times. And so the thing with Brissett is he's a quarterback that – gives you a chance to win. And I think he, not to the degree that, say, a Mariota would give you a chance to win a game. At breaking news, I'm being kind to Mariota. Um, but, you know, he, he gives you a chance to win, but he is not going to win a game for you. you know, I think Mariota, on his best day, has the ability to win a game for you because of his legs and because of, of just his general, uh, just his general football ability. Jacoby Brissett isn't that. He will not lose games for you and so the question is really going to not be what is Jacoby Brissett the question is going to be what are the guys around him capable of and that's what I think uh, it'll be interesting to see for the Colts this season well did, did they really need him to, to to go above and beyond their defense was actually surprisingly solid last season and we've seen how good their running game could be 
uh, with Marlon Mack back there, or even Jordan Wilkins or Naheem Hines, because that offensive line is much improved and because they have a really good offensive coaching staff that that's crafted a really good system. I just, I just don't, I just don't think they're going to be as terrible as a lot of people think. I, I don't, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. People are saying they're going to win 10 games. I, I don't. Jacoby Brissett, I don't think, is going to win 10 games. But uh, I mean, a well-coached I, and well-managed team like the Colts, <clears throat> I like Frank Reich, I like Chris Ballard, are never going to be a disaster. Yeah, they, they might not be good. They might not make the playoffs, but they're never going to like be like you know the two and three win Titans teams from a few years back. They're never ever going to be that. No, I I can see them being like one of those Jake Locker teams that you know went seven and nine or, or something like that. So, okay, in a vacuum, how many games do y'all think Andrew Luck's worth? How many games do you think he actively won the Colts that they didn't deserve to win? I think that's a tough question to answer. I mean, I can answer, you know, what I see them as now, and I think potentially they're in the 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven range, whereas with Andrew Luck, they were in the 11-5, and 12-4 range. Mm. I don't but, think okay, they were going to yeah, win that why, many games. Yeah, why do we think that? Because they won 10 games last year. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's not like they had, you know, 12 wins or anything like that. They didn't make any significant upgrades. They had a really easy schedule last year. They, yeah, they had the fourth easiest. I mean, they had the fourth schedule because they were bottom in the AFC South. So their schedule, their schedule get, let, let's put it in terms of today. Their schedule gets harder. They're not necessarily better anywhere. Uh, I mean, they didn't, they didn't get a new sign coach. anyone, right? They didn't right, spend they any signed, money. Is it like Kelvin Benjamin or whatever his oh, name Houston. is? Justin Houston, they got. Oh yeah, they got. They did get Justin no, Houston, but then Jabal Sheard also got hurt, didn't he? I'm not entirely sure, but I'm looking at their schedule and it's really tough. Is the addition of Justin Houston worth more than the loss of Andrew Luck? No. <laughs> no. Did their schedule get harder? Yes. I mean, then and also the rest of the league has a full year's worth of game plans on how to stop mm-hmm. Reich's offense because Houston – sorry, not Houston. Uh, Kansas City smashed that offense. I think they scored three points or something in the playoff game and, and were all li- like living in the backfield. Well, so that's one I mean, game. Sure, but the Jets also did it. And, I mean, it's it, the Jaguars, I believe, shut them out late in the season last year. So it's not like the offense was necessarily revolutionary. They, they had a good year for sure. And they were more than the sum of their parts, but their parts didn't get any better. So as we close out the luck stuff, one last topic. And and, and try to get sentimental here. Matthias, you were talking before the show about uh, re- reading T.Y. Hilton's tweet and, and getting mm-hmm. a little sentimental about uh, about luck. What, what's your favorite Andrew Luck memory? Ooh. I don't know. It's going to be hard I... for Will. I, I, I know that other this than, question— Other than when he retired. You can't take that one. That's yeah, fine. you can't Aww. take— you can, well, you can't take that one either. Um, I, I'm going going back and forth between a couple, um, all of them bad for the Titans. Um, I I think watching him in Week 17 this past year was probably my favorite luck memory because if if you remember, like a year ago, you know, right now we didn't know what luck was going to be if he was ever going to regain his form. And watching Luck in Week 17, the way he, you know, just took apart that Titans defense, it was like 
it was like joyous to watch just how how well he played that game and how good of a quarterback he, he was and it just felt good yeah yeah the titans got killed and that was you know bad for them but it was like one of the stars of our league the nfl that we love so much is alive and well in, in terms of his football you know life so i'll say that was my favorite luck memory uh, I don't want to take yours, but yeah, I, I was at that game and he, I don't know. I, I, there, I haven't seen too many quarterbacks play the position live, uh, like he did. And I'm going to be honest, I'm going to miss him. I never, I never had a lot of ill will towards him, uh, at, at all really. And the, I, I used to hate Peyton Manning just because he would always kill us. But towards the end of his, his career with the Colts, I, I started to, kind of appreciate and admire just how good he was playing the position, how, how accurate he was, and how he controlled the offense. And there aren't a lot of quarterbacks like Andrew Luck in the league. The way he manipulates the pocket, the way he he moves around in order to find a new platform to throw from, and some of his throws were just, just jaw-dropping. And, and I'm going to miss watching him because when he wasn't playing against the Titans, I was kind of a closet Andrew Luck fan just because I appreciate good football players and especially good quarterbacks. If I had to pick a moment, it would be maybe as heartbreaking as it was, maybe when uh, the Colts had that comeback, I was at the game and uh, Andrew Luck threw a ball right over Bleedy Ray Wilson's hands. And I can, I can see it as clear as day because I was like, oh, okay, that's what a bad corner looks like because it was a time when I was like, he's got, he's got all the athleticism to do it. He gets around, and he just can't ever find the ball. And then after that moment, I, like, I think I could tell. It's like, okay, that guy's got it, and that guy doesn't. Was, that the, uh, like, that, the, was that the Vic Ballard uh, spinning into the touchdown game in the end zone game? I, I don't remember. It was either that or the year after that. Because I don't think this one went to overtime, or like, wasn't that overtime? Or oh, I know what you're. This, this one was a. Uh, you're talking about a Ken Wisenhunt game. It was Mariota's first game at, at Nissan Stadium. That that is what it was. Yeah, that's that is what it was. And Gosh. it was it was great. It was, it was the it was the nudie it was the nudie Fowler twenty uh, yard loss yeah, on the, the like, two point yeah, where play. his like leg exploded or whatever. Like when he like planted it in the ground. Oh yeah, that was terrible. Um, oh, also man. weird to hear him called Nudie Fowler. I don't, I don't like that everybody's just like, yeah, we'll call him Nudie Fowler. Like his name's Jalston. Like I'm just gonna call him Jalston. Like Nudie is a weird name to call another guy. <laughs> um, but so, I, 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 I hate that, and I need to get that out there. Uh, but yeah, so I guess that was educational, and it was in a game where I didn't care if the Titans won or lost. Really, like I just wanted Mario to look good. Mario to look good, and he did for the most part. And it was like a promising young time when it's like, look at all these young guys, and we're going to get another high draft pick, and it's going to be great. And it's been all right. Like we've won twenty seven games since then, but you know, other than that, it's it's been kind of miserable. <laughs> so now, well, let's get into some uh, some Titans centric topics. This is our last episode of the preseason, which is crazy to say. You know, next week we'll be here previewing the uh, the Cleveland Browns. So we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about the Titans' 53-man roster and who we think are some guys who who might be surprises or, or you know, that sort of thing. And we're going to kind of move through this pretty quickly because I know that these discussions, if they go on for a long time, can get pretty boring. So let's start at the quarterback position. 
Um, and I have pulled up the one that I did for A to Z Sports a week or two ago, and I'm going to do a, a, a final one after the game on Thursday, though I don't know that it'll change very much. Uh, but I had them keeping two quarterbacks, Marcus and, uh, and Ryan Tannehill. We kind of talked about this before the show. There's no shot that they keep Logan Woodside. Yeah, I don't know what people are seeing in Logan Woodside. I don't know why they believe we need a third quarterback, to be honest, uh, and why we're so <laughs> like so scared about a team snatching up Logan Woodside. Every time I look at a Titans drive in preseason and Logan Woodside is in the game, he's just fumbling the ball. So, I mean, sure, he's made a couple good throws, but that's against fourth stringers. I really don't see a need to waste a roster spot on him. Yeah, I mean— it doesn't make any sense. He's he's a great guy to watch in the preseason, but that's that's it. Like he, he's not. I mean, the, these people who are like, we should actually cut a guy who's going to play on special teams just because you never want to let a quarterback hit the open market. I mean, what what has he done that's made people so infatuated? I guess I don't understand. Like, is it the whole Rusty Smith thing where like I, they, he's got a name and you hear about him all preseason and then he has one or two good plays and you're like. That guy does have something. Yes. Maybe if we put him to the starting roster, like with the starters, he'd really be able to put something together because he, he's I mean, Cody Kessler. That's exactly who he is. At best, yeah. The same, at, the at same best. happened with Tanny. The same thing happened with Alex Tanny. Yeah, yeah, that's it's true. It's just like the third, I, and I wonder how many teams across the NFL have to deal with this too, where it's like people are talking about, oh, they need to keep him because you know surely somebody will trade a seventh for him or something like that. He's just too good to let go. It's like, yeah, like there's a reason why he was, you know, no disrespect, but there's a reason why he was in the AAF and, you know, why. Because he was in the AAF, right? Yeah, he was. He started for Atlanta. Yeah, the Atlanta Legends. Apollos. Oh, Legends, that's right. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, so, you know, it's, you know, he just didn't have a lot of prospects and, you know, that's fine. He's done well. I think he's earned himself you know, a couple of more camp jobs and, you know, to be a guy that comes in and is a good camp body during the off season. But I mean, it, I, I don't know. I guess I just don't understand people's infatuation with trying to keep three quarterbacks. But quick Alex Tanny tidbit to this day, the worst interception I've ever seen in a practice was thrown by Alex Tanny. He had a, I think, forget who the safety was. I don't think it was Bayard. They had a safety sitting in uh it was that dude they had from the Bears a couple of years ago. What was his name? He never actually made the team, but he was always on and off. Oh, uh, Hurst. Yeah, Demontre Hurst. That's who it was. He was single high, sitting in the middle of the field, and I think a receiver was running a post like to him, but like the route never finished. And Tanny staring, because I was standing in the end zone when this happened. Tanny staring right at the safety, like there they had to make eye contact. Just threw it right to him. As if he was, it was just the worst I've ever seen. But moving on to running back, where I think we probably have our first iffy kind of guy in, in Jeremy Nichols. We know that Derek Henry and Deion Lewis are going to make the team, and I would be shocked if uh, if David Flewellen did not, because he's a guy they like and who was productive in his limited opportunities last year. Plays special teams, multiple positions, all the good stuff. McNichols, though. You know, I mentioned at the very beginning of our podcast when we started this back in at the beginning of the month that I wanted a Titans backup running back behind Flewellen to make a name for themselves in the preseason and say, I am worth keeping around. 
And McNichols has done just that. He, he's been a, a big-time weapon, I think, for the Titans during the preseason and someone that, that I think the numbers will let them keep around. Yeah, I, I remember we had the preseason discussion, and I said that uh, the games are meaningless and, and they shouldn't play any of them. But, I mean, McNichols kind of, I think, earned a roster spot just, just with his play uh, in these games. And, and I think we do need to keep him because – He's a guy who, who had a lot of potential coming out of college from Boise State, and he's a really athletic guy, and, and he seems to finally have put it all together. And I would hate for him to go somewhere else and, and actually contribute because it's, I think he could if he goes to, like, I don't know, Tampa Bay again and with their terrible depth chart. And, yeah, I, I mean, it, it seems like Flewellen's going to stay, but I, I don't know. He Has he even practiced yet since his injury? So He was – he is uh... – I don't. I can't remember if he practiced today or not. I wasn't there, but okay. he's going to. Like he was in the locker room today. I saw videos yeah. of him. Okay. I, th- I think the report was that he ha- he was on the field, but he had a leg wrap on. Okay. So t- take that for whatever you will in terms of like is he practicing? But at least he's you know in that sort of starting out rehab process. But yeah, I mean McNichols should be the guy. Like. If you put him, and I I'm, imagine this is what's going to happen, but if you put him with a team like Dallas or with the Rams or with what the Packers want to be, like good offensive lines who spread out and run zone schemes and then attack, like you're going to get a lot out of him. Like you can get a lot because of how good the people around him are and the scheme because he's a good fit for this scheme. So, I mean, is he going to be a thousand yard rusher? No, but you don't need him to be. You just need him to get five carries a game and maybe a reception and just be, you know, above average. Just somebody to give Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry a breather or just a change of pace. And last thing on McNichols that I think will keep him around is, you know, they asked David Flewellen to gain some weight so that he can play some fullback this year. And if Derrick Henry were to go down with an injury that kept him out for. You know, let's say it's something minor keeps him out for a game or two. You don't have anyone on that team other than McNichols that can carry the football. Because David Flewellen right now is probably too big to be a tailback, or at least an effective one. And Deion Lewis is too slow to get past the line of scrimmage. He's a great pass catcher, but he's not a running back, quote-unquote. So that's why I think you have to keep McNichols. Agreed. Deion Lewis does not look good, and I'm very concerned about his running ability going forward yeah he, he's got to be used in a very specialized way I'm, I'm interested to see how many snaps he actually gets during the season wide receiver is a spot where i think there are five guys totally locked in davis humphreys aj brown tajay sharp darius jennings all of those guys are going to make the team they're going to keep six here's where things get interesting i think taywan taylor has done everything he could have possibly done since that disastrous first preseason game to keep himself around. However, Khalif Raymond, who was great in OTAs, was great in training camp, has also been pretty much the star of the Titans' actual preseason games, caught over 50 yards worth of passes uh, against the Steelers this past week. So I'll pose this question, not a what would you, not a what do you think they'll do, a what would you do. Would you keep Khalif Raymond over Taewon Taylor? I would not. I think that I initially said that was a possibility, and I think that was a knee-jerk to Taewon's bad first game at this point. But what do you guys think? I, I wouldn't either. I, I still believe that Taewon 
is a, a better player than Khalif Raymond. And even though he's had his struggles this preseason, especially in the first game, I still I still believe that. And he's shown it in at the actual NFL level, and Khalif Raymond never has. And uh, I appreciate what Khalif Raymond has done. Uh, I didn't even know he caught five passes for 58 yards this past weekend. That game was terrible. I don't know why anyone would have even watched until the end. But anyway, I would keep Taewon over him. And maybe Khalif Raymond could be stashed on the practice squad. But if not, I really don't think it's that big of a loss. That I mean, it's your sixth receiver that you're you're giving up. Yeah. I, I'll talk about this when we do another position because there's something I kind of want to discuss. But, I mean, I guess if I had to pick one, I'd pick Taewon just because, like you said, we've seen him do it in the NFL. But, I mean, it's really splitting. It's really splitting hairs of, like, maybe your 50th or 51st best player on your team, somebody who probably gets cut and released and, you know, you add different people in, you know, I I just, I don't, I don't think either one, I think if either one of them are on the field, you're in trouble. So what, what position are you referring to? Will? just so that I don't forget, we can go ahead and get into that. Tight end. Like I want, I want to talk about tight end. Okay. So that's the next one. Uh, I was going to say before you brought up that you have an idea you want to mention, that I think it's pretty set that they're going to keep four and that we know who the four are, that being Delaney, Johnny Smith, Furser, and Michael Pruitt. Will, what, what, what's, your, what, what's on your mind? So I think instead of thinking about them as receiver, tight end, and running back, you need to think about them as offensive weapon. Okay. And I don't I don't mean that in the like the cheesy like Denard Robinson kind of way. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, I mean it in like the like these are the guys who are going to touch the ball on any given play. And I think that I would rather keep four running backs and four tight ends than to keep a sixth wide receiver. And I think it's going to have to shake out like that. So I think you're going to end up with either Flewellen or McNichols cut or uh, Ferkser or Pruitt cut. I think those are your kind of your two decisions at those positions. So if you look at it like that and you're trying to say, okay, you know, would I rather have Anthony Ferkser, Jeremy McNichols, or Khalif Raymond slash Taewon Taylor? To me, based off what we've seen from them, you know, the answer is pretty clearly that you would cut the wide receivers. And so if you start doing the math, you can kind of say, okay, well, if you think about Delaney as an extra receiver and Jonu is definitely an extra receiver, like you really might not have to keep six on the roster. And the tight ends can play special teams as good as Taewon or Khalif Raymond. So, and so can the running backs. So when I look at it like that, I would almost rather have an extra running back or an extra tight end, as long as it's Ferkser slash McNichols over a sixth wide receiver. But, you know, that that's kind of a, that's kind of something I want to talk about. Cause I don't know that that's necessarily conventional, but I think when you try to explain it and you use special teams as kind of, a catch-all for why you should keep a wide receiver. I don't think those guys bring any special teams value that you can't get from the tight ends. If we cut Ferkser, I riot. He's not getting cut. Okay, cool. That's he didn't once, though, right? Like, didn't he get? I mean, he no. got all the original cuts. Yeah, didn't he, he, he was sure? he was an undrafted free agent last year and made the team and was on the yeah. team the whole year. Oh, he's awesome. He? I thought he got cut at some point in the season. Not Every that time. I recall. 
Every time I, you throw the ball to I can find out pretty easily. Let me check my I, I may be wrong, but I, for some reason I think I was pissed that he got cut initially and then we re-signed him back. But oh. that also could have happened with Burnett, Deontay Burnett, which I know what happened. In the oh, no, no, no. He, so, he, he made the roster outright. So I get an email whenever the Titans make a roster transaction, and I just searched Ferkser in my inbox, and there's nothing there. Perfect. Oh. Okay, then, then my fault. Yeah. Uh, so anyway... Uh, I swear to God that I saw a tweet from a Titans fan saying that Ryan Hewitt is a dark horse to make the team. Who? I, sh- I swear Ryan as, Hewitt. As a, as a fourth quarterback? I sh- who, who is that? Is he a tight end? <laughs> He's a tight end. <laughs> We're yeah. About the position. yeah. I swear I saw that tweet. And anyway, that's not happening. That guy's really bad. He's been one of the worst, one of the worst <laughs> Titans players in preseason. Um. Yeah. So... Just Ooh, hold your, on. Let uh, me ask you this while we're talking about it. Okay. Uh, what has the better chance to like repeat history? Ferks are being cut and turning into Jack Doyle, or McNichols being cut and turning into Legarrette Blunt? Um, Ferks, McNichols, Ferks because I don't think he's getting cut. I don't think Ferks is getting cut. Oh. McNichols has a chance to get cut. I think. Oh right, right. right. Oh yeah. I, I guess I guess I should have said just if they both got cut. Who do you? Oh, think if they would... both got cut, probably Ferks are. Okay. Yeah, because there are a lot of bad tight ends in the in the league. That's true. And uh, Mike Herndon was telling me that apparently, Ferkser's like three cone and and shuttle stats are like top notch among tight ends from his pro day. I'm not surprised. He beats I mean, he's, every he's, single but, defender he goes yeah, up. Yeah, he's against. he's always open. He catch he makes tough catches. He makes catches when he's about to get hit. He makes awkward angle catches. He makes catches outside of his frame. He high points catches, and he's done it in actual NFL game. It's not like this is all just like a preseason highlight reel. Like he's a real football player. I don't know why he's not the tight end two. Mm-hmm. Well, I like Johnny Smith, and I think he deserves his fair shake because last season was not really all that fair to him. Because he's a matchup piece. Weeks. I mean, they shook him for eight weeks in the beginning of last season. He didn't do anything until down the stretch. It was unfair because he just kind of got thrust in. Yeah, but we have breakout candidate Michael Pruitt on the on the roster. So, Um, (laughs) while while we're talking about it, are Pruitt and Fluellen redundant? Do you need both of them? Yes. One's a running back. One's a tight end. Kind of. If but they're making they're making Fluellen gain like. 20 pounds i mean they're making him but a block michael pruitt is the only inline blocker other than delaney that they have at tight end you're not gonna line david fluellen on the line of scrimmage right i mean maybe fluellen doesn't make the cut am i the only one who doesn't care if fluellen gets cut like yeah, I, I'm, I'm I, with, like my thing is like the whole someone can play special teams man it's, yeah it's not that hard yeah. the whole the whole preseason should have been lining up um, Michael, Michael Pruitt, Michael Pruitt, however you say it, uh, in the backfield and letting him play some fullback or how. And maybe it was. Maybe they did play him like they want to play McNichols as kind of offline or whatever. But, I mean, we didn't use any fullback formations, really, did we? Like, th- there was no two back sets where they were lined up in an eye that I can remember. I think, I'm pretty sure Ferks are lined up at H back a couple times that I've seen. Oh yeah, that is true. They did. They they would do it in late in games. I guess I'm thinking about the starters, but I don't. I don't think the starters did it very often. I think it was a lot of like two tight end sets, and then uh, the first game of the season we had a lot of three wide receiver sets early. I don't know. I need to go back and look at that. 
So offensive line is is another thing on this team that I think is interesting because there's just not that much tackle depth. You know, Taylor Lewan's not going to count against the roster for four games because of his suspension. But outside of Dennis Kelly and Jack Conklin, do they have a tackle? I mean, Tyler Merritt's I had on my initial roster that I made out, but I, I don't know that that's a thing. He's not good. No, he's never been good. I, I don't even know why. I, I don't know. But I really don't know what they're going to do. The The good thing is Pamphiel can play right tackle, but if we're judging by the preseason, Pamphiel shouldn't even be on this team. So we're in a bit, <laughs> we're in a bit of a bind on the offensive line, and I'm really interested to see what they do because I, I'm not sure they have four guys right now who are even capable of starting. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about it. Like, I think there's seven guys on the roster, including Lewan, that are offensive linemen that deserve to make an NFL roster. Um, I think Pamphlet has, has like value as your eighth guy, like your swing guard tackle, because he has done it in a game and looked fine. You know, he's looked like hot garbage a lot of this preseason. I mean, it's just been bad. And they've lined him up some at tackle, I think, and he's gotten beaten. He had an okay game uh, this past week, and then he got a hands-of-the-face call. And, I mean, it's just always something negative. It's just – I never look at him and say, wow, that was a good play. But there are times when I look at him and I say, wow, that was a bad play. Um, but I think that's kind of what your eighth man is going to be on your offensive line anyway. I think, obviously, Corey Levin should be starting. He's the fourth-best offensive lineman that we've seen so far in the preseason, and that's probably underrating him. Um Behind Lawan and Conklin, he's he's pretty clearly been the most dominant, you know, Titans player. The only thing is, outside of the Steelers, he never went against the other team's ones. So, I guess you kind of have to knock him for that. Uh, ideally, the situation is you play Levin at center, where he's comfortable. You play Ben Jones at right guard, where he'll be fine. And you just play it like that. So, I mean... It's, that's not hard. I don't know why Vrabel and the rest of the staff have made it seem so hard. I don't understand what the value is in not even trying that combination uh, once during the preseason in a game. I know they tried it in practice once or twice. It doesn't make any sense to me. I guess they're trying to find out because they haven't seen a lot of these combinations before how they work. But it's it's a waste of time <laughs> Sorry to uh, not have... Uh, Ben Jones and Corey Levin starting together. So uh, the only thing I can think is they really like Nate Davis and that's, you know, they're just trying to see what positions other guys can play. But I mean, I, I well, Nate Davis know. hasn't played at all in the, in the preseason and really for most of training camp because of his injury and he's just now right. back. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm still pretty confident he, that he's their best right guard. I mean, that's how bad the other two have been, or other three, if you include Stenny. Like, I mean, if he if he went out and just cut blocked every single play, he would be better than the other three. Let, let's move to the defense and start with uh, edge pass rusher. Uh, I think this is a spot that's pretty locked down because, like the uh, like the uh, tackle spot, there's just not that much depth. You have Wake, Landry, and Finch as, as your starters. But then beyond that, there's Kamale Correa, there's Derek Roberson, the undrafted rookie, and then nothing. And, and those are pretty two rough players to ever have to count on for for depth. And I know people like Roberson, and he has good athletic traits, 
but he's a rookie, and he was an undrafted rookie. And this just feels like, I don't know, even if Cam Wake and Harold Landry are what, what people think they can be, it feels like a rough spot for the Titans to be in with this group. We could love Roberson all we want and soak in the coaching staff, but do they really have confidence that, that he's going to be an okay number five rotational guy? Because I, I haven't seen him make a single play in preseason. Have you guys? No. No. So I, I, he hasn't shown up at all. The good news the good news is that Finch looks like a legitimate starter at edge. So your top three guys are set in stone. Although, what is wrong with Landry? Is he returned to practice? He yeah, he, he did side work today. with Simmons today. Oh, okay. Okay. So our top three guys are set. You all know how I feel about Kamala Correa. I don't even think he should be on a roster, but I, I guess he's fine. He He's just a body. And he, this really feels like, like a position where they're going to sign someone or pick someone up off waivers within the next the next week or so because they can't possibly feel feel great about it like like we do like we don't i mean <laughs> yeah they they've <laughs> got to feel the same way we do like they can't be like super excited with like two sacks or whatever the team has combined during the preseason i mean i don't, I don't know like part of me wants to say that it's because they're not stunting which they're not you know but you know, they're not running their X-Stunts as much. They're really only doing a very limited kind of pass rush. And when they do pass rush, they back off coverage so that they don't get beat deep or anything. I, I don't know what the thought process is there, but that's what they've been doing. Uh, they did not look – I mean, they don't look very good. Cameron Wake looked good on a few snaps, which was encouraging. Uh, there was a play where – uh, the Titans blitz Logan Ryan from the slot and the running back is like he like buries Logan Ryan or that like that's what he thinks and he like throws him all the way inside but when he does it I guess he doesn't really understand how protection works and so like he leaves this big wide open gap that he's supposed to be guarding uh, with the offensive tackle like playing inside and so Cameron Wake like immediately beats that guy and beats the right tackle and gets pressure and that forced a punt so I mean, Cameron Wake looks good. He looks smart. He looks like a savvy veteran. That's great. They need that. We haven't seen Landry. Uh, I think he did well in the practices against the the Patriots. So I know he can. I know he played in those. So or at least in some of them. So that's a good sign. He's at least played against other people. And then Finch looks like he's got strong hands and like he understands what he's supposed to do. But I mean, he's he's not going to get like ten sacks. He's going to be like a more of a run stuffer kind of guy. So. Yeah. I mean, that's what you've got, and everything everything behind those three is replaceable. I mean, I mean, they could cut all three of those guys and sign them with sign three completely new bodies, and I don't think it would, you know, hurt the hurt the position at all. I just don't think those other guys give you anything. It's it's Nick Perry time. Just just get him in. We have a bunch oh, yeah. of cap space. Just sign. Well, him. okay, it's interesting that you say that, uh, Mike Keith on the OTP brought this up the other day and I've, I always forget about it this time of year, but people or teams are waiting for their final cuts or whatever so that they can, I think it's after week one. Uh, if you sign, maybe it's the start of the season, but whenever it is, there's a deadline soon where you don't have to pay them a guaranteed contract the whole year for vested mm-hmm. veterans. Uh, you only pay them like week to week. So if you cut them, you don't have like, Two hundred thousand dollars in overhead or yeah, whatever. The, the Titans like, did that with uh, Weems a couple years ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the 
thought process is that a lot of these big names are going to get signed then because, you know, that's that's the perfect time to sign those guys. So I, I would not be shocked if that happens. Let's get to uh, interior defensive line because I just don't know that there's much discussion inside linebacker. Evans, Brown, Woodyard, David Long, who's looked really nice, and Darren Bates with a strong camp. I mean, any dissension? No, but Woodyard um, Woodyard looks really slow and yeah, really, yeah, really not yeah. good. Let's so. let's say that Woodyard looks like the worst of those three. Maybe not worse than Bates, but like Long for sure looks like he should be the third linebacker on the yeah, field. Totally agree. Defensive line. This is a spot where I want to have a, a, an important discussion. So we know that these four are in: Jarrell Casey, Daquan Jones, Brent Urban, uh, uh, Matt Dickerson. Wow. If they, no Austin if, Johnson. Here, here's where I'm going with this. <laughs> if they keep six, so that's two more under the four I just named, it's Austin Johnson, Isaiah Mack, the rookie from Chattanooga. Yeah. If they keep five, is it Mack or is it Austin Johnson? Mack. I think so. Right? I mean, <clears throat> Mack is better than Dickerson, if we're being honest. Mac is better. Did you say Urban? Mm. Mac is better than Urban. That's. I mean, that's not. Uh, that's not a hot take. They're just. They're, those other guys just aren't that good. Like, y'all yeah, are y'all judging are, by preseason. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all, y'all are y'all are evaluating Matt Dickerson off of one tackle for loss he had. Like that's it. I know y'all haven't seen him on any other plays because he hadn't made any other tackles. Like. Yeah. But, I mean, I, but Matt Dickerson is someone that they love. Yeah, I mean that's He's great. But than the other guys. I think he could play a couple different positions on the line. Let's talk about that. So, who is this, uh, Mac or Dickerson? Dickerson, Dickerson. Yeah, let, let's talk about that. Does it matter if you play multiple positions bad? I mean, like if you're bad at <laughs> multiple positions. I, I've said that for a long time. That versatility yeah. only matters if you do them all well. Right. So, like th- this was going to be my no nonsense, and I'll figure something else out. But there's this <laughs> thought that I hear every time I listen to somebody on titans radio or whatever bring it up is they they're so excited about how many different things Monty bledsoe can do who and he's made no, that guy's yeah, not good that guy's yeah not good. yeah yeah he's he's like certified not good and like you know he just he's not made any plays in the games at, you know he hadn't shown up in practices by all account other other than like the people who talk to the coaches and stuff so his highlight know, is getting plastered by the fullback from the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, the one <laughs> Jakob Johnson, I think it was, who played it, yeah. uh, played for the Tennessee Vols. Um, yeah, I mean, he like, but everybody's so excited, and they're like, "Well, Mac's not going to make the team because Bledsoe can play so many different spots." Wait, I'm like, is Bledsoe a defensive lineman? Yeah, he's 95. I he thought you were like, talking about a DB. No, uh, no, that's no, a no. Mo- just a news a, flash. That's I a money hook. <laughs> Yeah. No, there's another there's another DB that I had him confused with. Um, but the one that had the picks a couple weeks ago. Wiley? Oh, Tillery. Yeah, I don't know. Here's the thing. I, I sat and watched that team for three and a half weeks during training camp and for two agonizing preseason games. If I don't know who you are by this point, you're not making the team. Yeah, it's a bad sign. If I if yeah. like if you if you're not a already locked in starter or if we haven't heard your name called, you're not making the team. I mean. Like you can go back and you can watch seventy nine, which is Isaiah Mack, and you can see him just beat people up. Like he's just stronger than everybody he plays. And if you're talking about the guys who should make the roster, Isaiah Mack should be one of the first three names you mentioned. Let's close out with the secondary. Uh, this is 
for the most part, pretty set. At corner, you're going to have Butler, Ryan, Jackson, Sims, and Ty Smith. At safety, you're going to have Bayard, Vaccaro, Hooker, and Cruikshank. Now, I think you keep 10 in the secondary, and I just named nine guys. And I think that the 10th is probably going to be Joshua Kalu, just because he's someone that he does play multiple positions to get back into that cliche we've been talking about. Uh, but he's someone that they like, that that you know has a bit of a personality to him that that's I think good in that room. Do we do we need six cornerbacks? I feel like you could use one of those spots for for Ferkser or or like or for Pruitt or McNichols. But see, that's the thing is you know as, as I was filling out this roster, there were several spots where I'm like, well, do you really need this? But then I went back at the end and I had only picked like yeah. 46 guys. Oh. I still had seven spots left. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's that's the problem is like you know they've done they've done a good job of like locking up the top part of the roster and i mean there's there's names that should be good and have had value before as backups like i mean Sharif Finch technically in the starter Wesley Woodyard Darren Bates like the, there's a lot of guys on here who aren't starters but i think we forget how thin the the last five or so spots on any roster are yeah. like I mean, think about how many times during the season inactives come out and, like, nobody knows who those names are on the list. Like, you've completely forgotten about them or those players, like, for other teams just have not made any sort of, like, tangible impact on the game. So I almost have kind of shifted my thinking to be like, okay, if this guy isn't great on special teams, what are they getting by, like, keeping him on the roster? Like, so it's got to be, like, a young guy, really. So, I mean... Kalu's pretty good on special teams, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. Kalu, Kalu and Durden are the guys who I think it comes down to. No, and no. Durden had no. a terrible preseason Durden, game. Durden's done after, yeah. after Sunday like, night. Gosh. Yeah, like he was running with the threes and he got picked on like on a 60-yard bomb. And like that that's pretty much it, man. Like it's like that, yeah. was, that was your shot. Like maybe you can come back during the season or maybe you'll make practice squad. But I mean, Michael Jackson had – or Michael Jordan. I'm always like, oh, it's some famous person. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, he, like, he had that pick or whatever, but he also got uh, burned really bad one time. I don't remember if it was last week or this. I think it was last week um, against the Patriots. So, like, he's had bad tape. They say the Kareem War kid is somebody they like, you know, by all accounts. And then, you know, you've got these other guys who everybody talks about as like great guys. I don't, not that I've noticed them at all on the field. So that this could definitely be a position where you see a name that you haven't seen all preseason make the roster, and you're like, why are they keeping that guy? And just because they were trying to find the best locker room guy they could have, and they were all they thought all of them were kind of okay at special teams. Look, I'll, I'll say this to close out this this fifty three man discussion: if the Titans kept everyone, and and I've admittedly never listened to the OTP, but if the Titans kept everyone that you will and several others have said the OTP says the Titans really like, they'd have like a hundred people. Well, yeah. They can't. They can't say anything bad about their players. It's an official podcast of the team. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not critical. <laughs> I'll say um, that. We're going to close out as we do every episode with our stop the nonsense segment, where we take a look at the dumbest takes from the past week or so re- regarding the Titans. Although this week, I think we've all agreed to stem into to Andrew Luck stuff, right? Yes. So many yeah. bad things. Okay. So, so so I'll start off 
with my Andrew Luck related thing, as I hinted at earlier, I'm going to talk about the booing. Look, and I get the people that that are, you know, frustrated with with the booing. Here was where I kind of lost people. Here's a tweet from my man Julian Rocco, who says, "The fact that they booed him is actually sickening." <laughs> okay. I know we live in a society that loves to get fake offended by things and and throw our hands up and and, and claim that kind of stuff. Look, your franchise quarterback just up and retired in the middle of a game two weeks before the season's going to start, and he's 29 years old. And if I was a season ticket holder or someone that was highly invested in that franchise, I'd be upset. Now, I get the reasons why he retires, and with a day or two to think about it, I would say, yeah, he probably made the right choice. But the knee-jerk reaction that may not be to boo is to get angry. And so for the, based on the videos I've seen, maybe, I don't know, 50 fans that booed, I get it. It's emotional. It's tough. It's bizarre. There's no real precedent for what has just happened to you and to your organization. Was it the right choice? Maybe not. With a day of reflection or so, I'm sure they regretted it. But to claim that this was sickening and all this fake outrage I saw on Twitter over the last few days about this stuff, like, get over it. You weren't there. It doesn't involve you. Why are you offended? And I will give credit where it's due. Lindsay Rhodes from NFL Network last night tweets this out, and this is what I'll close with. She said, let's slow down on our judgment of Colts fans. They spent the entire offseason excited about making a run at a Super Bowl and just had the rug pulled out of them two weeks before the season starts. I don't boo. Players are human. But so are the fans, and they're disappointed. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stay with, with the luck stuff. Are you doing and- Gottlieb? No, I am doing Dan Dockich. I don't know how to say his name. Dan Dockich, or Dockich. I don't know how to say his last name. He's like a college basketball guy. He's on ESPN. He's a sportscaster. He's always really loud, and he never seems to know what he's talking about. (laughs) So he went on a Twitter rampage when when Luck retired and was talking about, I told you guys for for, for weeks uh, about this guy. Uh, Luck has a freaking ankle and a freaking shoulder. Just tell us I made a ton of money and and don't love the sport. And then he's talking about his family working in, in steel mills, being cops and teachers, making far less. And, and that and that Andrew, Andrew Luck is hashtag tired, my backside. And then uh, if anyone knows who Dan Dakich actually is, so he took a head coaching job with West Virginia in 2002. Apparently he sat down and he wrote down, all, like an entire list of what was coming for the program and what what, what was going to have to be done. And then eight days after he was hired as their, their head coach, uh, he walked away uh, from a contract and then just went to Bowling Green because it was much easier and took a reduced pay cut. So that guy is full of trash and poop, and he's awful. And he's not the only one who was making tweets uh, about luck and, and his uh, his commitment to the game, like Doug Gottlieb. I, I don't even remember what he said, but it's just it's brutal. So I, I loved Troy Aikman's clap back at Doug yes. Gottlieb. Yes, that was awesome, dude. Like, what was better was the, that apparently Gottlieb like doubled down on it, and then later did that like really embarrassing lame thing that like guys do when they like shoot their shot in a text or sliding in DMs, and then they're like, oh hey, like. 
all my friends actually know that I'm just a sarcastic guy and I like joke a lot. So I didn't really mean like what I said. Like you guys would know that if uh, you were like my real fans that he said that almost verbatim and there's a clip of it. Like basically like after he said it, like he's basically a guy who's like, I'm not kidding. And then like somebody confronts him and he's like, I was just kidding, man. Like, (laughs) like, I don't know why you're taking it so seriously. Like Mm -hmm. he was that guy. So, you know, outstanding <laughs> you know good good for him whatever stand stand on your beliefs um i'll say this uh for mine <laughs> this you know i'm obviously not going to paint andrew luck as a hero uh and I, I obviously don't think he should be in the hall of fame which is part of this but uh a woman named kathy pajot i think is how you say it uh said People are giving Andrew Luck such a hard time about retiring. I give the man credit for knowing what he and his family want and need. Okay, fine. And then it says, and this clip of his sportsmanship needs to play in a loop at his Hall of Fame exhibit. Oh, I'm so tired of seeing that clip. Yeah, it's the clip of him getting knocked around by defenders and immediately getting up and, like, dapping them up and being like, hey, like, good hit, big guy. Proud of you. This is football. It's okay to hit me. Like, I mean, that. Let's just talk about it logically. First of all, it's football. You're not supposed to be best friends with the guy after the whistle stops. Like, after the whistle blows, you're not best friends. Finish the game, and then you can talk and be fine. Whatever. But from a play-to-play basis, if people are hitting you late, and you're hurt, and it's going to eventually cost you your career, we shouldn't look back on this and be like, oh, that was a really good job. Like, look how nice he was. It's like, no, all those late hits that he's like buddy-buddying with people about and getting like real friendly and stuff, those hits cost him tens of millions of dollars. Because I also think it was probably a bit of a joke on his part. I mean, I don't know what it was because I, I mean, he never he seemed to have— He was trying to, to get in their, in their heads maybe. I don't, man, I don't know. Some sort of weird He doesn't really have any mean or aggressive bone in his body. Like, he just seems like, I mean, he seems like an uber-friendly kind of guy who's just like, hey, guys, like, what are you doing out there? Hey, great hit. Maybe try to injure me next time. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, gotta go lower if you really want to break the legs. Like, (laughs) he really, like, he seems like he just, and I mean, he's kind of like Marcus in that, like, Marcus does the same thing. Like when he gets hit, sometimes he like pops up and, but he also will like stare down defenders like he did against Jacksonville. And like, he's not afraid to go like helmet, helmet block you. Like, I mean, there, there's a difference because I mean, (laughs) I guess just with context, it's not funny, but it's kind of sad to see him like get smacked around late and all that. And then just kind of be like, Hey, it's okay. Like you can hit me late. Uh, Essentially like that's what he says in one play is he says, Hey, it's just football. Like, you know, that's what it's supposed to be. And like, I mean, it caught it. Like, it's just sad. It like costs him tens of millions of dollars and people are praising it. It's like, no, you know, sportsmanship is great, but this was clearly the wrong thing for him to do. Like he should have been like Tom Brady and complaining. Ah, I don't know about that. I mean, you don't, you don't have to know. Like Tom Brady is fine and has only had one injury and Andrew Luck got hit more times than anybody else. Are you trying to argue that Andrew Luck is now forced into retirement because he congratulated people after hitting him? I'm saying he should have complained to the refs and gotten all those easy calls. (laughs) Like the guys like Tom Brady. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying no, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna offer up this take to the next next week's uh stop yo, the nonsense. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> that this is crazy. Like, yeah, like if you're a high profile quarterback and you complain about getting hit, you'll get flags and people will stop hitting you. Like, that's just the way it goes. Unless Cam Newton. Yeah, sorry. And you unless don't get flagged. Unless you're six foot six, two hundred and eighty pounds and could also like 
moonlight as a defensive end like then it's like harder for people to take you seriously but like if you're a big goofball who's got a degree from stanford and has a big neck beard and you're like those guys keep hitting me like i'm sure you would get a few calls going your way i think that's all that we have uh that's all we have to to uh, to to give you guys this week (laughs) We will be back next Wednesday for game week to preview Titans versus Browns. We'll try to get a guest on, maybe uh, maybe talk to a couple players leading up to that. Go enter our Twitter giveaway again for a uh, $25 gift card to NFLshop.com at No Nonsense Pod. Until next week, for Matthias and Will, I am Luke. Thank you for listening to No Nonsense. And I'm going to warn you and everyone else in the sports world to please stop the nonsense. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.